doubt. Um, but this morning, we've also got something a little bit different. Um, do you know, it's great when we can come to church and we can open the Word of God and we can unpack some Scripture and we can dig into um, what God has got to say to us through a passage of Scripture. Um, but also, there is absolute power in hearing testimonies of people's journey to faith. And so that's what we're going to be doing uh, this morning. We've dubbed it Sofa Sunday. Um, I've got a vision to have a number of these, maybe a couple a year. We'll get some people on the sofa and we'll have a chat. It's a bit like, you know, this morning or whatever it is, Lorraine, I don't know. We'll just call it John and I'll have a, I'll have a little picture of myself. <laughs> so yeah, there is just, there's absolute power. And, you know, when you hear people's stories, when you hear people's journey to faith, I think it, it empowers you, it equips you, and it builds faith in the room, um, I believe, that will encourage us that when we leave this place, that actually we'll be closer to God, we'll have uh, maybe just a boost of uh, the Holy Spirit within us that is uh, yeah, equipping us, ready to face what, whatever is going to uh, come at us in the future. But let me just read to you. From Psalm, 20, Psalm 22, verse 22, it says, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. And so that's what we're doing this morning. We are going to praise God in front of you, the assembled people, by sharing what God has done in the lives of these two gents. And you know, this, this idea of sharing testimonies, it happens throughout scripture. So when, uh, when Jesus heals the man who is possessed by a demon, the guy says to Jesus, oh, can I come with you? Can I follow you where you're going to go? Can I become one of your disciples? And Jesus says to him, no, don't follow me. Instead, go back home and tell other people what I have done. He's essentially saying, take this testimony, take this transformation and share it with those who are in your sphere of influence, your friends, your family, your community, go and share that word. And when Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well and he goes through everything that she's done in her life and, and tells her essentially what she's done, she then goes to her town, to her village, to her community and says, come and see this man who's told me everything I've ever done. And because of her testimony, because of her transformation, a whole bunch of people come to faith in Jesus. And so there is absolute power in hearing testimonies. You know, I read this thing this week that's kind of a bit catchy. It said that when, uh, when we hear testimonies, God turns our mess into our message. He turns tests into our testimony. He turns trial into triumph and he turns victims into victory. And so this morning, we're going to hear from these two lovely gents. Malcolm has been at this church for, what, 40, 40 nearly 40 years. He is like the father of this house. He is, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this man is uh, one of my biggest cheerleaders. He is such an encouragement. He has such a servant heart just a willingness to do in God's house. And so um, I don't think you've ever really shared your testimony in, in this church, have you? So this is a great chance for us to hear. Um, the only person who heard it was Joe. Well, there you go. <laughs> Wrote it down. So it's, we all get to hear it this morning, which is going to be amazing. And we're also going to hear from Kevin. And I'm super excited to hear from Kevin is such an encouraging character. <laughs> he is filled with humility and is so generous with his time and his experience. And so I'm excited for you guys that you get to hear um, what these guys have got to share. Um, and as well as Jesus, they've got something else in common, which is why um, I've encouraged them to come up and share with you um, all this morning. And that is that you were both uh, spent a bit of time working for the Queen. Working for the Queen. Mm. Yeah. And so we're going to hear a little bit about that um, in a moment. Um, but before we do, it's Sunday, um, and so I like a roast dinner on a Sunday. I don't know about you guys. So what I'd like to hear from you is what is your go-to meat for a roast dinner, and what dessert do you want to follow your dinner with? Malcolm, we'll come to you come first. Come on, you lead the way, Malcolm. What meat I need are you an choosing? example, don't I? What meat are you choosing, and what dessert are you going to finish it off with? Hold your mic up. Huh? I like roast beef. It's not old. It is on. It should be. Yeah, it's on. 
Roast beef. And what pudding are you going to have? Sticky toffee pudding with ice cream. Oh. 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 We're salivating now. How about you, Kev? I'm all in. Any meat. Yeah. <laughs> Just give me the food. And any pudding. <laughs> Amazing. Good man. It's got to be roast lamb for me. Well, lamb's like, oh, lamb is like premium meat. Do you know what? I always say this. Why do we have turkey at Christmas? Turkey, along with pork, is like the worst of the meats. And yet on the best day, we have the worst meat. What is that about? I mean, we don't. We have duck, because that's primo. Um, but yeah, cooking it wrong. Well, maybe we are. I don't know. All right, so... What we want to hear from you guys, maybe just to begin with, let us know a bit about your childhood. Where did you grow up? What was your family makeup like? Um, yeah, let's start there. Well, my family makeup was <coughs> quite good, except I lost my parents very early. Uh, I was never a churchgoer or had any inkling going to church, was sent to Sunday school, but never picked nothing up. And uh, I did go to one place where... Uh, Change it, goes to rest. There we go. <laughs> I went into one place where I wanted to become a thing like a scout, but it was called uh, something else. And... You had to learn the scripture, which I'd never read in my life. And I had to learn the scripture of uh, John, 14, uh, John 3, 14 to 18. And I had to imprint it on my brain because my brain's not very good. So I imprinted it for the first two weeks and then we all had to stand in a row and we had to quote it before you'd get your wee scarf and your, and your, your wattle, is it you call it? it? And uh, I got through it. And the fortnight after that, the reason I joined is they were going camping. So we went camping and I didn't like it, so I left when I come back. <laughs> so that's a part of my childhood. The rest is starting to go up. Thank you, Martin. Well, I definitely had a childhood. Um, I'm born and bred in Blackpool. Brought up on my side. A loving family. But I suppose I was a, a rebel. Didn't like school. Didn't want to go to school. Wanted to do what Kevin wanted to do. And all my life, I suppose it's been a little bit like that. Always wanted to do what Kevin wanted to do, regardless of the cost to anybody else. Mm. A rebellious child. Um, it was like there was two roads in life. I got to a round, roundabout at a certain age and there was two roads in life. And that one was all lit up bright and fancy. And that <laughs> one was a bit dull, that one. And I went down that road and X amount of years later, I wish I'd have gone down that road yeah. Um, but yeah that's part of my makeup and that's part of who I am today and I have no regrets from my <coughs> childhood I don't carry anything today around that mm. I'm blessed to have been brought up in a loving family and um, did love and try the best to, to steer me yeah. um, but I never knew anything about church didn't know anything about God I still don't know a lot about anything <laughs> um, I know what I do love today, obviously. Yeah, thank you. So you'd never been to church, you'd not kind of no, heard about I've been Jesus. To school, church, yeah, Sunday school. I stood there, yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, no, no. I was always off doing something else. Yeah. With all the others. Yeah. And so, other than the group that you were part of, Malcolm, there was no kind of access to church. You'd not been in church with your family, or never went to church with my family. No. Never went at all. I found out in later years that my father was a trumpet player in the Salvation Army, but I never heard it at home. Yeah, okay. And uh, went to Sunday school when we was at school, 
but nothing imprinted itself on me. Yeah, okay. Because like a brother, I did not like school, period. <laughs> and Sunday school was a part of that, so yeah. that's where it went. Submission to authority, do we think that's what it was? <laughs> Is that the issue? What's the issue? Surrender. So let's, uh, let's just talk a little bit. We're not airing dirty laundry this morning, but no. let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the journey from kind of youth to working for the Queen. As you put it. I don't mind, yeah. Um. <coughs> Great, isn't it? I'm sat here now in a different world, in a different place, with a different somebody to guide me along the road of life, and yet I never had that when I was from, from a teenager till I was... Well, I, I've been a rebel, and I suppose I've, I tasted HMP, our Queen's lovely meals and beds from an early age, from, I don't know, 16. And I never stopped going until I was 58. Um, and I'm not proud of my past life. And I did some things I had regrets around. <coughs> All those wish I woulda, shoulda, coulda done it difference. And I carried a lot of stuff on my shoulders from the age of 16 to a certain age when I got into fellowship <coughs> um, that contaminated me, poisoned my spirit. I had no love for nobody, no care, no compassion, no empathy, no understanding. Didn't want to know, talk to the hand, all that kind of stuff. And I did what I've always done, and I always got what I've always got by doing what I've always done. And I've always paid the consequences. And it became familiar. Familiar. How sad's that? My prison stints became familiar. Acceptable. The unaccepted became acceptable. And uh, and on my journey, obviously, it's not just me in this, is it? Not just me. I'm connected to loved ones, people that cared for me. Mm. Um, yeah, so from four, 15, Borstal's detention centres, prisons, this, this. always wanted to pick something else up of somebody else's. <laughs> Um, I guess I worked for somebody else then, you see. Mm. Uh, yeah, but I'm not there now. I don't live there now. Amen. I don't live there now. Mm. Uh, but with my lifestyle and what I do in my life, I have to go back there sometimes. I'll never forget where I've come from. Yeah. I'll never forget what I've found. And I'll never forget where I'm going, because I know where I'm going. Yeah, anyway, good. I'll leave it up to uh, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I've tread a similar road, really. Uh, from a young age, I lost my parents, so I started uh, into drugs. And drugs seemed to take over and I got into trouble with the police and I'm not going to go right back to how long I did but I was in a top security I was in the old Bailey and I was getting done for armed robbery in GBH again again and uh, I stood in the old bailey and all these people with funny hair things on the curl of the wigs. <laughs> and it was an awesome time. And then I was sent into a, one of the top security prisons in Wormwood Scrubs, where I was put in, where there was, he recognised this, where there was murderers, drug addicts, <coughs> rapists. It didn't matter what you'd look the whole place was filled. And that door shut at 
during the day and you was locked up more hours in the day than you got out. But there was that verse that I quoted, never left. It's even on there. Right. For God so loved you and us. Yeah. And I used to quote it. And there come a time where I was being let out. And I was had to sign the agreement when I left the prison that I would not take up arms of any sort and I was on parole and the parole officer had arranged for me to go to Ireland. This is hard. So I thought well fair enough. I got a new suit New shirt, a tie, shoes, underwear, and a little suitcase with more clothes. <coughs> they transported me to the station in London where it went to Liverpool and I got on a boat. Eight hours on the boat, sitting thinking. And uh, I got off the other end, and I did not know where Balamina was. All I know, a bus would take me. And I went to Balamina, and I found my brother's house, and I was bored out of my mind, because there was nothing to do. So I was still a smoker. I was sitting smoking outside the door, and this little lady kept walking backwards and forwards up to a shop that was just on the corner. And I just stood there. I don't know how many times she went up and down. And then she came over and said, can I, can I see Jean? That's my brother's wife. She went in. He said, we're all going out on Friday. I said, all? He said, yeah, we're going to the, some club. So we went... And we got chatting and we got talking. Six months later, I was married. <laughs> now, that's quick. <laughs> now, it lasted nearly 50 years. But I joined the army, uh, special forces in Northern Ireland. And it, it was a strange thing because there was no work. So that was the next, next best thing. So I've got trained up doing what we were doing, out on patrol, doing VCPs. And if a VCP is like you block the road with two Land Rovers, so the cars have to go like so, and you have to pull traps. And uh, we went to one place. I didn't tell John this. We went to one place. It was a small village, Duggan Villas, very staunch Roman Catholic uh, area right beside the big lock and we were standing doing the VCP and all the people come out of the houses and the men were standing nose to nose in front of us now you've got a weapon you can't use it you can't say nothing and you just have to stand there very hard thing to do when you're used to using your fists. <laughs> but uh, we got through it. And, you know, and the Lord was so good because I had already found the Lord by then. I got married on the 25th of October, 1968. I got saved, and Vina got saved, on the 25th of October, 1970. And just after that's when I joined the army. And I said, if I don't get in because of my record, that's fine. 
little did I know when I joined those forces, I ended up that I carried a weapon day and night in civilian street and I had already signed that paper saying not allowed to carry weapons, <laughs> but I did. And you know, I was, I was blessed because I never had to use it. Mm. We were in places like Cross McLen and where the bombs were going off, the bullets were going off through Belfast. And I honestly believe like our brother that the umbrella is a covering. Mm. When you give your life to the Lord, I never had to draw the weapon, I never had to shoot the rifle mm. other than through training. But he has carried me through and he sent me here nearly 40 years ago. Right. And this place to me is a place not only of warmth and everybody's comfort, but it's a place where you can, you can grow. You know, when you hear the word, you can take it on board and you can share it. To me, this is the place where you get fed. Out there is where you go to war. Mm. And I have a, a, a desire, which I've had since I left Ireland, to come here to speak to as many people as I can speak to. Yeah. It's a burning desire. Mm. And I spoke to someone a couple of services ago, what we were doing during the day. You've got to be focused on what your salvation is all about. Yeah. If you're focused, you can do it. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, My brother good. says he's in here because he feels warm. That's what it's all about. When you give your life to the Lord, yeah. you take hold of what he has. He took me through all those troubles and he's took me through here as well. And I praise God that there's nothing more I need to do. Don't get me wrong. I've come off of here and I've different things, but my work's not finished. No. There's no retirement in the Lord. You've got to keep going till he says it's time to come home. Yeah. And I have one funny thing about coming home. In the last couple of years, I've had real bad, not bad health, but things go wrong in my body. And the last one was to do with the heart. And the doctor, when I went in, I said, my bag's packed, I'm ready to go. <laughs> because I thought that's what was going to happen. Because I was not good at all. In fact, I woke up and Elizabeth was at the end of the bed. And I thought about it, I'm still here. I've got to go home and unpack. <laughs> because, you know, that, it might sound funny, but if you're ready to go, it doesn't matter what, where you are in life. Mm. I said to the girl at the back, spring is when we spring up. Summer is when we bloom and blom it. Flower. Autumn is where we curl up a wee bit. Winter is where we start to fade. I'm not going to fade. No, it's good. I come in and I do the chairs. I do what I can do. But it's having the presence of the Lord on my mind. I was sitting reading the Psalms this morning. There's nothing like it. Mm. Knowing that you're in, is in control of your life. To worship him is all I want to do. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah, it's good. Amen. Thank you, John. Thank you. <laughs> so, Kev, just take us back a bit. So you said, um, you know, obviously you were living this lifestyle that wasn't honouring to God, not that you were aware at the time of what he, he wanted from you, but you were talking about uh, it wasn't just impacting you, but you had family and friends who were connected to you and they were they were working through stuff as well. So what did that look like? In the respect of what? Ask me that again, John, I'm a bit... Just so how... So you weren't just the one that was suffering, Oh, no, I have an illness. I had an illness. I was addicted to things I... I got addicted to. Habitually addicted to life and 
the world, the goods, people, places, situations, anything that took Kevin away from anything. I have the illness. My family's got the spots. They carry my stuff. Mm. They sleep on them beds at night. They cry. They wonder if they're not going to come on the door. I have children today who've picked my shoes up where I left them. Mm. And they're walking that path. What can I do about it? Mm. All I can do is everything I can do, and that's pray. That's it. That God will direct them <coughs> one day. That they will eventually surrender eventually have a desire for a new way of life it's quite bizarre when you're in it you don't know you're in it mm. you don't know you're contaminating people you don't know you're hurting people you don't know you're in the mix you think it's everybody else's problem yeah you've got the problem i i'm okay pal <laughs> that kind of attitude and it was my attitude that got me in a lot mm. of trouble yeah but family connected by blood. This is my family now. Yeah, it's good. Um, but I had to get to a very special place to get a very special gift. Yeah. I'm as white as snow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all, jokes apart, all jokes apart, I had to go to a very special place to get a very special gift. And that yeah. very special place was desperation. Mm. To get that gift, I have to front the loaf. He'll butter me bread. If I don't front the loaf of faith, he'll not butter me bread. Really good. I, I'm in a different place now, but I had to go to that special place. That very, very special place. Yeah. I call it the rock at the bottom. Yeah. Um, but I didn't want to live and I didn't want to die. Yeah. And then my journey of faith started yeah. when I got to that very special place. Yeah. I think you're right in that, you know, no matter what your background, no matter what your lifestyle, if you're not living a, in a way that's honouring to God, it's not just you that suffers. It's those around you. And so we do need to be mindful of the fact that actually our behaviour impacts those around us. No matter what kind of life you're living in, if it's not in line with God's plans or his purposes, then actually it doesn't just negatively impact you or I, but our friends, our families... And, uh, you know, our workplace, all that stuff gets impacted by us not living in line with, with what God's, you know, his best for us. I love that phrase that you said, though, all I can do is everything I can do. Mm. You know, because, you know, we, we sometimes say, well, all I can do is pray. But it's not just, it's not, that's actually the best thing that we can do, isn't it? They give us two palms and two knees for a reason. Absolutely. <laughs> no, it's brilliant. Yeah, I did find that when you're inside, you you're in five under door shots. You are inclined to think about heavenly things, even though if you don't know what it's all about. Yeah. I don't know if he was that way. Yes. When I used to repeat that scripture, I didn't have a clue. I never heard that you had to be born again. Mm. So it really, to, to me, <coughs> they talk about uh, we're in a Christian country. <laughs> you know, how far wrong are they? Hey? Yeah. You know, we can repeat scripture until you give your life to the Lord that yeah. you can't get fulfilled yeah, yeah. Right. so just talk us through so you were you it was your last stint in prison um and just talk us through that uh, that process where you actually found your faith I found my faith I found God or what's God found me <laughs> let me think about that one God's always been there. He's always been opening doors for me, but I never saw them. Um, and my lifestyle, as I say, I was on my last of my sentences, my last ever sentence. And I spent, anyway, don't need to know how long I spent. My last sentence was eight and a half years. And I remember standing on the landing, looking down, thinking I can't, and I was 58 then, thinking I can't do this anymore. And, uh, and I was a landing cleaner. And there was a little <coughs> alpha course. There was a church downstairs, and there was a little course going on. I didn't know it was an alpha course at the time. I went down for the chocolate biscuits and the cups of tea. <laughs> and I was just going around with who were getting biscuits. And it attracted me. And every, every day I went down there, and there was something going on, alpha courses, Bible classes, all this, that, and the other, for the inmates. And I remember the pastor saying to me, have you got a... Uh, 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 
I mean, you got faith, Kevin. I said, no faith. I don't believe in anything. And he says, and, I, and he started to talk to me on this little alpha course. And I'd go. People, you know, God puts people in places at the right time, mm-hmm. the right situations. And uh, when I'm receptive, when I became open. And uh, <coughs> he says, you're carrying a lot of stuff on your shoulders, Kevin. You're carrying so much stuff on your shoulders, you can't fly, love, he said. You can't get off the ground. And I knew what he meant by that, because I was riddled with guilt, shame, remorse, anger, frustrations, resentments. And he says, what do you do with all that stuff, Kevin? What do you do with all that stuff? On you? It was like having a rucksack on my back. What do you do with all that stuff, Kevin? I said, well, what can I do with it? <laughs> Shove it under the carpet, <laughs> bury it. <laughs> uh, I say it's like me having a little thimble and I'm emptying a 56-gallon drum every night just throwing it. Oh, you can't do it. <laughs> well, what do you want me to give it to the Lord? Give it to the Lord, Kevin. You know, I met some beautiful people. And I remember 17 years ago, six days ago, 17 <laughs> years ago, I got on my hands and knees in a little cell in Lancaster prison. And I said, if there's a God at all out there and you want anything to do with me, I'm here and I'm ready now. Show yourself. No boats are like that. Do anything like that. But since then, since since 14 to 58, I've been out of prison for 20 odd years. And since getting on my hands and knees, realizing what two palms were for and two knees were for. I got on my knees and I invited God into my life. Even though I didn't believe it, I invited God into my life. I've never been back to prison. I've never climbed through anybody's windows. I've never stole anything. I've never hurt or harmed anybody. I'm not on probation. I don't take drugs, I don't take drink, stop smoking. He's got me through a heart attack, a bypass, stabbings of seven times, all of it. And I stand here tonight, mm-hmm. today, the only ingredient, the only ingredient I never had in my <coughs> life was hope. I needed hope, and I found mm-hmm. hope in a hopeless place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hopeless, helpless, useless. Mm-hmm. And this is beautiful soil for me to grow in. Yeah. We are a fellowship, a gathering of like-minded people. Yeah. I come here for one reason for me. I come here to be around new people. I come here to thank God every day for my life. I value life now. Life's so precious <coughs> I never valued it. Mm. I didn't realize what it was all about because it was all about me then. Yeah. I never, I was selfish, self-centered, all of that devious design, all that stuff. Yeah. And I've been transformed. I, besides, not my doing, everything that's going on for me in my life and everything that's happened in my life, God's been in the middle of it. Because mm. I gave my life to Christ and I accepted him and I confessed and I repented. <laughs> wow. Wow, can't put a price on it. It's the only thing in my life. This was the scariest seat I'd ever sat in in my life. But the best seat I've ever sat in in my life. <laughs> the best seat I've ever sat in in my life. And it's the only thing that I couldn't steal off somebody. <coughs> the only thing I couldn't beat some, out of somebody. Yeah. The only thing I couldn't buy. I had to humbly get on my knees to receive it. It's yeah. a gift. Yeah. That gift of grace for me. So good. And it sounds silly me saying this. But he stripped away all that arrogance and that ego and that. Mm-hmm. And I love people. I love places. I go in prisons now. How, how bizarre. I go in prisons now. I'm twice a month to Garth and to Wymont, to Preston, to all over the place. Telling other lads that you don't have to do it, you don't have to. There's a way out. <coughs> There's a way out. Uh, but it wouldn't be possible unless, and I have to do certain things. 
I love God. I, I, I do my readings and I do my prayers. I do my meditation. I do what I do. I do what I do for what I want. You'll do for you what you want. How precious it is to you is how precious it is to you. How precious it is to me is how precious it is to me. Um, yeah. I can't express it. I had a scripture. I battled this morning. Because I said to John, I've got a little scripture I'd like to read, if that's possible. I said, yeah, I love it. I said, and then I thought to me, and I battled this morning, because I've wrote lots of stuff about how God's changed my life now, which I love God. And I looked at my scripture this morning, and I thought, oh, I'd love to see, I'd love to read that little scripture out, a little psalm, David, one of David's battles. And then I thought, well, I'd like to read one of my own out, because <laughs> it's more personal to me. More personal to me, mm. yeah. So thank I hope I haven't offended anybody. I don't need to, you know. Definitely not. No, that's good. Right. I think it's fantastic that actually it sits almost on the anniversary for both of you. So it's 17 years, six days ago, yeah. since you left prison and yeah. gave your life to God and yeah. haven't looked back since. And it's, I'm trying to do the maths, about 46 years in a couple of days' time. Since you gave, it's just what, what I, I like fortuitous timing. It wasn't intentional that we landed on this date, but it's just amazing. Um, but you've both kind of, well, you kind of skirted across it. So Malcolm's already said, you know, he felt like he was on the on the brink of dying, um, and then you woke up and, and had to unpack your bags. And Kevin, you skirted over, got stabbed seven times. Uh, that was just a throwaway comment. I think the rest of us are like, well, what's going on here? But both of you. Well, what better sight to see? Right. <laughs> right. But I think, you know, God's clearly not done with you yet. And I think that's, you know, that's the, no, that's the thing, you know. He said, if I'm going to send me down, if I'm going to send you down a rough road, Kevin, I'm going to give you sturdy shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and and I think, it. you know, that's it. So I think that you, you've spoken to me a few times, Kevin, about, you know, so we've, you've found faith and you've come to know Jesus. And there's been this incredible transformation kind of before and after and, uh, you know, this kind of pivotal moment where you've stepped out of the darkness and into the light and, and haven't really looked back since, yeah. which is amazing. But then God's given you this gift and you've got choices with it, haven't you? Yeah. Have you can either it. keep it. Yeah, well, that's what a gift is. You can either keep it or leave it. Yeah. And I think, you know, you've said, you've mentioned already, you kind of touched on it, that you're already going into prisons and stuff and sharing this message and you're choosing not to keep it to yourself. And I think that's mm. I think that's the thing about the gospel and the words of Jesus when we come to faith, that actually he says, now go mm -hmm. and make disciples. And I think both of you in your own unique ways are taking this message, taking this transformation of the Holy Spirit into the world <coughs> in various ways. So Malcolm, why don't you just give some examples of how you, uh, you've taken this message and, and taken it out onto, into the road, into your environment? Well, it's... Really, when I gave them my life to the Lord uh, on the 25th of October, 1970, it wasn't long before I was singing the gospel all around Northern Ireland. And music's always been a part, not playing. I couldn't play it. Well, I could play everything, but it doesn't sound right. <laughs> I, I, I love worship. <laughs> I love worship. We went round churches, mission halls, even into mental homes and worship the Lord with, along with them. And I think, as you say, when, when you take hold of what you, the Lord gives you, yeah. you know, you said you, you had everything, you could buy everything. We couldn't buy that yeah. because it was already bought. And uh, I just praise the Lord that... There's nothing I want to go back to. There's nothing good of what I left behind. You know, I said about it, sometimes it's good to open the door and look at where the Lord brought you from or where he's taking you to. And I want to read something before I finish uh, because I think that we all need, as I said, being focused, but we all need the strength of the Lord day by day. You know, we went through prison, yeah, <coughs> and uh, it's a dark place. I used to hear people say, I could do this on my head. Rubbish. When that door shut, you was on your own. Yeah. 
you had nothing you could do, nothing you could say we could open that door until they turned the key. Yeah. And you walked with people that were in total darkness. And you walked with people that were evil, in fact. And there was nothing you could do. But when you take hold of what the Lord's got for you, that's why I believe that that verse <coughs> has been the best verse I've ever had. And it starts off and it said, As Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man shall be lifted up. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But he that doesn't believe is condemned already. And if we hadn't taken that hand to the Lord, we were condemned. That's right. we, there's nowhere we could go. So that's how I feel, you know. And there's something here that I just want to read before <coughs> I finish. Yeah. This is part of life that fade away, you know. <laughs> They're a power greater than you, then. <laughs> I write things down. And, uh, Both the same. <laughs> the first bit that says on here, I rise up by lifting each other up. That's <coughs> what we do. Yeah, keep what you have by giving it But away. this is the part I wrote. Do you feel that your dreams you once had for your life has passed. Well, beyond reach. Well, as long as you ha are alive and have breath, it's never too late. No. It's never too late mm -hmm. to have the dreams <coughs> that you once had. Yeah. And I think all of us here have a dream of sorts that we want to see your life fulfilled before the Lord comes. I know that's what I want. And I've already said to the Lord, I don't want to go, I want to do a Moses, 120. <laughs> well, you might have to push me in or wheel me out, but we, why we've got breath in our bodies, never stop sharing the word. Wherever you are, never stop sharing it. When I left Ireland and came here, I used to sing in Ireland, but I never spoke. But when I come here, the Lord opened my mouth and I've never stopped talking about it. Maybe people get fed up. <laughs> never stop talking, eh? <laughs> but it, it's, your Christian life has to be a way of life. It has to become a habit. Yeah. Coming to church has to become a habit not to put anything in front of where you are. You have to forget about, if you've got the turkey dinner on, you've got to forget it and ask the Lord to not to burn it. Yeah, because good. this is where we get fed mm. and watered. That's where we go out to fight the battle. Yeah, it's true. And that's about all I can say, really. Yeah, really good, really good. And Kevin, you've got uh, ways in which you carry the message of God into your yeah, well, I, I, I'm in another fellowship as well. I'm in a, <coughs> a fellowship of like another kind of like-minded people um, where I, I have a 12-step program and I, I work a 12-step program in my life and I, I go to meetings and I have sponsees. By the grace of God, he gives me just enough for me to feed because we can't keep it. We have to. The only way we, I can keep what I've got is by giving it away. Mm. The only way any of us can keep what we've got is by giving it away. Because when we give it away, it reinstates it back to us. Yeah, it's good. It brings it back to us. Why am I doing this? Thank you. I'm grateful. Thankful. Yeah. Um, and I've got something up my sleeve before it finishes. I'd like to. Oh, go on. <laughs> Always got something up my sleeve, haven't I? Quite literally, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and I was going to, bring, as I say, I was going to bring that little scripture. But that's out of God's book. 
and God touches our hearts and, I, and he touched mine to write, write a little something for this. <coughs> I did this about 16 years ago. Amazing. Bless me once again. The Lord has blessed me once again to rise from this my bed, to greet the world but once again from dreams of awful dread. He fills my heart and hope and grace, directs my every step, leads me down the path of life and I shall not forget. He's always constant by my side. There leads me gentle on, fills my heart with wondrous joy, but never once is gone. He guides and watches every move, takes me by the hand, shows me love in countless ways. Ain't life but awful grand. He quells my fields and nulls my pain, his presence but beside. He calls and beckons me each day, fills me full of pride. He leads me down on bended knees, his wondrous works proclaim. The Lord my God is all around, so faithful I remain. When I'm down and helpless strewn, between covers cast asleep, I know the Lord but watches me, his promise but to keep. Amen. Mm. That's amazing. Absolutely love that. God's good. He is. I think... Um, so what I think, what I find incredible about these two amazing gents is that God's given them this gift. He's, he's had this transformative way in their lives and they both choose in their own ways to share that with other people. So you look at the life of Malcolm mm-hmm. and he just draws community. And so I know at the minute now we've got the cafe on a Monday and you'll have seen how that's grown. But even before we were doing the cafe on a Monday, Malcolm would gather a group of guys and they would go to, to St. Anne's and sit outside a cafe and people would just gather. Not from church, just people in the town would just come and sit with them. And he's not bashing them on the head with a Bible. He's just openly sharing about God's transformative power in his life to anyone who is willing to listen. And people were willing to listen and still are. And it's just God's hand on your life the gift that he's given you to share in just such a, a humble and an organic way, that's why he's not done with you yet. Because, you know, only God will know how many lives you have touched through just the way in which you live, the way in which you love, and the way in which you share his gospel. And Kevin, you know, so he's already said he goes into prisons and he's able to connect with people because he's able to say, well, I've sat where you've sat and you can connect in a way that, you know, people like me couldn't do. Um, so you do that. And you've always also mentioned you've got sponsees. And so Kevin sends out daily devotional messages that, I mean, you've just heard that poem, but the encouragement that he sends out to people who he's caring for is just so powerful and so special. And I just love the heart of both of these gents. And I think you are examples of how we should be living our life and how we should be demonstrating God's love through the way in which we we live our day-to-day lives. And I'd love to sit here for another hour and we've barely scratched the surface of what I wanted to talk about and what you guys have got to to share and bring, but time is getting on. Um, But I would encourage you guys, like, buy them a coffee, sit down with them for an hour and get more of this story because it is so life-giving. It is so uh, encouraging and equipping and empowering. But thank you both so much for sharing with us. Can we give them a round of applause? (laughs) Absolutely amazing. So I'm just going to pray and then you guys want to come up and, and we'll sing one more song. But let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for the gift that you have given each and every one of us when we invite you into our lives. We just thank you for the transformative power of your Holy Spirit. I thank you that for everyone who calls themselves a Christian this morning, that we have a testimony. You know, we might not have been to prison. We might not have been up to the kinds of things that these two gents have been up to, but each and every one of us has been impacted by the transformative power of the Holy Spirit. And so I pray that you would give us the boldness and the courage to speak out our testimony to those who would listen. 
that we would have the confidence in in the work that you have done in us and through us that we can share that good news with our friends with our families with our uh, schoolmates with our co-workers with people that we meet in coffee shops and wherever it might be god that you would empower us and encourage us and open the doors so that we can share your good news with those who would listen because ultimately that's what we're here for that we would that we would bring a light into the darkness, that we would show people that there is a path that might not look bright and shiny on the forefront, that actually is a narrow path, but it is a path that is far greater than anything else the world has to offer. And so God, would you guide us down that path? Would you bring us back when we fall off it? And would you help us to bring people along with us to show them the love of Jesus Christ? In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.